Hey there, welcome to XR Industry Leaders with ArborXR. My name is Brad Scoggin, and I am the CEO and one of three co-founders of ArborXR. We've had the opportunity of working with thousands of companies since 2016, and we've learned a ton about what it takes for XR to be successful in your organization. And I'm Will Stackable, co-founder and CMO. This podcast is all about interviewing the leaders who are on the ground making XR happen today. True pioneers in the space, from Amazon, Walmart, and UPS, to Coke, Pfizer, and beyond to uncover the pitfalls, lessons learned, and secrets that you can use to help grow XR in your organization. All right, well today we get to sit down with Joshua Higgison. Joshua is the technical instructor at MIT Theater Arts. Uh, Joshua, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me, pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm excited about kind of, I think where the convo is gonna go today. It's gonna be a little bit different than normal, but I think it's gonna be very interesting. And the question I always like to ask to get started is we want to know a little bit about you, Joshua. So maybe just tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what brought you to MIT and into the arts department and kind of into XR specifically. No problem. Uh, yeah, so I'm, you know, I've spent the last 15 years as an independent uh, theater designer. So I primarily design uh, video and projections, but I also focus on interactive design, lighting, scenery, and oftentimes the design that I'm doing is an integration between the two. So we're designing the set and the video projections together because they're so well, they're so integrated. Um, or we're designing video and starting to add XR and AR components into those, um, into those theater shows. And yeah, I, I lived in New York City for a long time doing this at theaters across the US and in Europe and occasionally other places. Um, and yeah, that's sort of how I started into this, into this world is like dealing, dealing with design and technology in a physical space. So Joshua, we've been working with you all at MIT, kind of supporting some of your, uh, projects for the last few years. So maybe talk about kind of how that relationship started and how we initially kind of started helping you guys. Great. Yeah. So a few years ago, we started working on a VR excerpt of an opera. So we were working on a piece of Wagner's ring cycle, a piece called Siegfried. And the piece, it, yeah, we just started making this piece in VR. So we were using the Oculus 2. And the idea was that we were going to present it at the Bayreuth Opera Festival in Germany. Um, and it was going to happen during the intermission of another opera that was happening. So audience members would come out and put on a headset and experience, um, you know, a whole VR, a 10 minute VR opera before going back into the space. And the big issue that we were running into at the time was how to manage all of the headsets that we were running. So we were running about 16 headsets at the time and just having some way to rapidly deploy updates to the, heart, the software, to keep everything on the same firmware, to, to track the battery life and the um, signal strength of everything that we were doing. We just couldn't find a way to implement that on our own. And somehow we stumbled across Arbor XR or I actually don't remember whether we heard about you from someone or we just like random search for you, but we got a sample. I connected with you guys, got a sample of the software and it was, it was the, the, the magic bullet. Like it was just like <laughs> the thing that solved everything. And we no longer had to worry about this. And that's when you're working at such a fast pace with, with a big project like this, it, that's what we needed is something that really just like made it work. And so, that was our first introduction to Arbor and, and we loved it on that. And now a few years later, we're spinning up this much bigger version of a piece where now we're about to put 300. Well, I, I have a question before, before oh, yeah, you yeah, go there. Go I have a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So question. So one is, I do think it's interesting, any of us in XR, and we talk about this every episode, 
the friction points and there's so many little friction points and it's this really exciting powerful new technology that it seems that so many people are being held back from being able to use because of these annoying little friction points and to your point even at 16 headsets it can be a challenge to deploy this uh, you know and, and so i think sometimes when people think scale they think a thousand headsets or, or ten thousand headsets and it's really i don't know five or ten headsets but here, here's my question before we switch to a new project how did the opera crowd hand like what was the response <laughs> to a vr yeah opera two years ago or whenever it was yeah i mean it was it was so well received it was super fascinating to watch because i have to say actually i'm i'm not necessarily a a big a person who comes from the opera, so I'm not used to going, but yeah. to watch a bunch of people. So basically the way that the, the piece was structured, the audience is in the opera house watching another opera unrelated okay. to the one that they're they're going to see. And so they've been sitting in the opera house for an hour and a half, two hours at this point, and they take an intermission. And Bayreuth has a really unique intermission where it's an hour long. Hmm. So you, you leave the opera house, you go outside, you stand on this giant terrace that they have, you eat a a bratwurst and drink a beer and or a bottle, <laughs> glass of champagne and then you go back in an hour you know after an hour and so what was happening with our pieces on the plaza we set up these 16 headsets had little booths that were set up and audience members would come out and put on the headset and the we had a basically a 10 minute excerpt from a piece called Siegfried and so we called mm -hmm. the piece Sai Siegfried um uh and you would go into a virtual version of the theater. And so the space you just left and physically encountered, cool. now you're encountering in a virtual world. And so it looks identical. And at a moment, you know, into the piece, you wander in and then all of a sudden you, you pick up a sword. It's like attached to your hand now. And then a dragon comes crashing through the, the wall of the opera house and burns the whole place down. And you have to stab the dragon as part of the piece, because this is what happens in the opera. Like in the opera, there's a dragon and it's always like a bad puppet that doesn't work or has been some offstage version. And so now you get to really stab the dragon. And, and so to watch to watch all of these people in tuxedo, full tuxedos, fancy hair, dresses, just like, oh, yeah, older people out there like stabbing the dragon and like playing this video game for the first time, like encountering a VR headset was amazing just to see the people like swinging their arms around <laughs> and getting really excited about it. it was really fun and then after they take off the headset and they return to the world then they would walk back into the theater that they just watched burn down and yeah. so just to see people's like sort of reaction to encountering sort of physical space and virtual space and then back into the physical space again i think it really made this impact and that was sort of how um, how we've continued to like try and to work with some new things. I mean, theater is all about these like live experiences that we get to have and yeah. these experiences that are related to place and location. And so just trying to open that up to a new conversation has been really exciting. That's cool. I, I think there is something about, I mean, anybody getting in VR for the first time, it's just this surreal experience. But I think especially when it's something, you know, it's it's a place you've been before, or I remember some of the, the first experiences I did years ago that I really enjoyed were some, uh, like they recreated movie sets. So it's like you, you yeah. get in the headset and you're walking around the ship of the movie you just recently watched. And it is this weird experience. And I can't even, I mean, to, to do it at the theater that you were just in and then go back into, that's, that's really cool. And I think it's cool too to see, you know, maybe an audience that you wouldn't typically expect to get excited about VR, getting excited <laughs> about VR. 
I want to see photos. Okay. It's like something out of a commercial. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll have to people say, in tuxedos with headsets on. We uh, in our early days, we started in the entertainment, location-based entertainment space, and very, very, very beginning, we had some like kiosks and malls, and we did the the Richie's Plank experience, if if you remember that, where you, you know you're walking mm. out, and we put a piece of wood, and it was Black Friday weekend, and we had this huge line in the mall, all lined up to do it, and then the board, and yeah, you see people of all ages walking down the board, you know, everyone's filming, freaking out, falling on the floor. Um, it's fun. It's fun. VR, VR is fun. Okay, so but but so sixteen headsets in a really cool setting with a great response was kind of a precursor to what you're working on now. So you you have some real experience. We talked about scale. I mean, going from sixteen to where you're at now. So maybe kind of talk about that transition. Totally. Well, and I was going to say even as you were saying earlier, like at sixteen we were finding that it was massively difficult to do this yeah. with, without yeah. some support. So when you talk about scale, you're right. Like it's not a thousand. Like even just going up to sixteen, it's like oh, to, you know, plug each one into the computer and have to open like the Android stuff and like <laughs> yeah. send the apps over and all this yeah. stuff. And then to do it individually was just so painful. And then to try and remember which ones you had done and hadn't done. And we're trying to make changes really fast. And then on top of all of this, you know, these were, they were manned kiosks, but we had no way to monitor the headsets. So we didn't have any way to know what the battery life was, if they were getting internet signal, like, any of this stuff. So we, we needed a tool like this. And, and like I said, it, it, it really is the thing that allowed us to stop worrying about the, the technical side of it or the, that part of the hardware and just worry right. about the, the project, which was really Delivering. super helpful. Yeah. yeah, no, what's, what's coming up next? So the next big project is we're, we're scaling up and we're also changing our, our sort of mode of XR. So instead of being in a VR space where it's completely virtual and we're closed off, we're opening up into AR. Hmm. And we've we've swapped headsets. So now we're sort of working with the Enreal Light. Um, so it's past, it's, you know, it, you can see through the glasses, you can see a live performance, and then we're able to overlay augmented um, content on top of the live performance. So I think that this will be a totally different experience than what we've done before. but we are scaling up. So we've gone from the 16 headsets before, now we're doing 330 headsets oh. um, for this piece. And so Amazing. the one thing I always have to explain to everyone is that like, this is a real opera, like with real live singers, that it's not just a, a, a filmed thing or something that's pre-recorded. Like all the audience will see live actors and live singers and live sets and lights changing and everything on stage. Um, but then on top of that, this select group of the audience is going to get a bunch of augmented reality content that then adds to the piece. So we're sort of trying to make a piece that's interesting, not only as an opera by itself, but then a piece that is even more enhanced by adding AR and augmented reality components to, to the performance. Love it. And if you're listening to this, you're, you're probably hearing this after news is already out. So you can go Google um this the the opera but before we started you said that this is brad and i aren't big opera goers um if you haven't guessed listeners but um i have been to operas i do enjoy them just not regularly you said that this is kind of like the super bowl in some ways of operas maybe that's a little you said it was a bit of an exaggeration but just giving us a sense of context that this isn't just a random this is a big deal can you tell us a little bit about whatever you can share about the opera and how you're going to be using this new technology in it Absolutely. So the opera is, it's Parsifal by Richard Wagner, and it's happening at the Bayreuth uh, Festival. 
And so Bayreuth is a town in sort of rural Germany. Uh, you know, it's three hours from Frankfurt, three hours from Munich. You're sort of in, out in the countryside. But this is the space that it was designed by Richard Wagner, was built to his specifications for how his operas should be seen. It was the only place where his operas were performed for a number of years. Um, it is a, it's a destination. People are so um, obsessed with this place and the shows that go on here, tickets sell out instantly. Like it's the kind of thing where you have to, people like get up at like four in the morning to like <laughs> buy tickets in they're wow. sold out in five minutes. And, and not only that, like the regular tickets are like sold out like 10 years in advance. Wow. So it's the kind of thing that like it is, it's booked out in a way. And there's no an pressure. obsession of this that, yeah. Um, well, we've, we've tried, we're trying to do this at the biggest scale, the most pressured place in the world. <laughs> yeah, so it's, right. we're gonna, it's gonna be really insane. Um, but yeah, there it is. It's, it is this sort of like Super Bowl of the opera world in a certain way. It's a very famous festival and a very, um, very big, big deal. But yeah, for people who are outside of the opera world, it's kind of the kind of thing you're like, you're like, what? I've never even heard of that. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's a very interesting place to try and do something this um, ambitious and also this uh, disruptive. I mean, I have yeah. to say, like, yeah, we're we're disrupting the opera world. Like there, there hasn't been a a big opera performance that had a huge AR component before. And so we're going to, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to be shocked by it, by to be taken aback by it, are not going to be receptive because we're destroying the music. Or I think there's a lot of potential for it to, to be a bit of a scandal, but um, also it's, <laughs> I, I think it's also the kind of thing that's going to open up opera to people that might not otherwise be excited mm. by it. So I do think it's like, we're, we're trying to go beyond the limits of what you can typically do in a theater and and kind of almost follow these ideas that Wagner had about the total theatrical experience. Like yeah. We want to be able to put the wind in your face and the fog right there and the, have the fire, you know, flames right in front of you in a way that you you can't really do typically in a theater setting or an opera setting. Well, it's funny. We always talk about XR being good and training for things that are difficult, expensive, or dangerous. Uh, oh. But this is a great example in, in an entertainment setting of, you. yeah, you couldn't put a fire in somebody's face, but you can <laughs> you can't, with XR. can't light an ancient opera house on fire. Uh, why? So, uh, the, I mean, I guess the question is, this this feels like a huge risk. I mean, it sounds like you had a great a great trial with, with the other opera, but you're going to like, yeah, the super, why, why did you, what, why this opera? Is it because it is like, <laughs> the biggest or well, yeah or is it because this one kind of actually meets some of the the unique you know things that vr can do and air can do that yeah, nothing else right. yeah what's the what's the why i think it's a bit of a combination of both of those things i think also there is something about wagner's work where and byroid specifically where it's kind of thought about as like the the workshop like there's this uh, sort of like work start Bayreuth idea that like Bayreuth is a place for experimentation and a place for like big scale things to happen. And so I do think that the the leadership of the opera house kind of sees this as a really exciting thing to to try and a place to move forward in the in the form. And we're very grateful for their support and for all of the um, the work they've done to help bring this bring this to fruition. Um, but also, yeah, I do think that this specific opera does have these elements in it that sort of 
asks for something more than what you can do typically. So the whole second act is about a magic castle that exists and then collapses at the end. And so what better way to create a magic castle than to be able to surround the audience with all of this uh. garden of, you know, earthly delights and, you know, to be able to, to be able to put all of these big things right in the audience's lap, I think for this moment is going to be really exciting. And then further, like I was saying, like about the fire stuff, it's like the, the castle collapses at the end of the second act. So what a, what a better way to do that than to be able to have the ceiling tiles falling down and to have <laughs> fire around you in XR that, you know, now you're taking your glasses off and being like, is this really happening or what's going on? <laughs> I've got to ask the question I'm sure a lot of people are asking themselves right now. Tell, like, how, how are you, what's the practicals of this? I mean, you've got 300 something Unreal headsets. They have to be plugged into power. You've got an, an opera house that's probably, I mean, I'm guessing they don't have, you know, iPhone chargers at every seat. So talk a little <laughs> bit about what you, at least what you can about the actual practicals of how you're making this happen. So that, the, the physical practical side has been really difficult. So there was for a long time. Yeah, for a long time, we actually were going to have to run everything off of batteries because they couldn't install electricity in the house. Wow. Because this theater was built in 1870, there is no wiring <laughs> in the house, in the audience area. And because it's a national historic spot, they couldn't make modifications. And, and it's so a four-hour plus opera. So you, you got a few battery packs there. Yeah. So we we did tests for like six months on like how to stack battery packs and like what... We couldn't just get a huge battery pack because they wouldn't fit under the seats. So we needed to like figure out smaller ones that we could daisy chain together. Um, in the end, they have come up with sort of a removable power system that we can lay out in the house. So it doesn't damage the space at all and doesn't do anything to the National Historic Registry of the building, but does actually allow us to run off of uh, power. So we don't have to wear batteries anymore. Um, a company here in Germany has built some custom cases for our, the computers that are going to run the, the XR experience. Uh, and those, those cases have like kind of a custom, um, daisy chained power situation. And then they also created a lockable, um, plug for the, the Enreal light headset so that it couldn't be pulled out by an audience member. If somebody got really surprised and stood up the glasses, the cable won't break. So things like that. Um, but that physical technical part of it has been a really long process. And we've done a lot of, um, a lot of testing in terms of like getting location-based things working. Um, we, do, we do use the cameras on the headset to do, uh, we're using a, a third-party program to do some location-based work. So it's the cameras on the headsets are looking for the architecture of the building, realizing where they are in terms of the seats, and then adjusting where the camera is so that the content is correct. So it's always like coming from the stage location or wherever we put it in the 3D space. But yeah, those have been the big technical challenges. And then there is this huge technical challenge of just how every night to this, this opera runs in repertory. So every night there's a different opera that happens. And so they have to install and deinstall this stuff every night. And they've figured out a way now to get 330 headsets installed each day and then put, you know, taken away wow. for the next day when another opera happens and then brought back in two days later when the opera goes on again. And the idea is that we're going to keep expanding this. Like this, this year is sort of the, the test drive, like 330 to them is, is a small demo, a small sample. 
Yeah. So even though that feels like a big jump for us, that's sort of the sample. And then we're working towards 2000 audience members at some point, wow. everybody being in the headsets, but it does, you know, it takes a while to sort of work up to that. I think I, I to me, it's really exciting that, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like this could be really, even though it, it's a strange, maybe crossroads of, you know, historic art and new technology, I could be kind of a new way of doing things. I mean, it, it seems really cool. And maybe even bringing in a younger generation into the opera who maybe hasn't been as excited about it historically. So I, yeah, it's, it seems like you're pine, definitely pioneering something. We're certainly trying, yeah. And I do think, you know, I think theater and opera, I think all of these art forms are sort of, you know, we're, we're trying to find our way in this world. Like everything is changing yeah. so much with social media and phones and film and video and all of these different ways to experience the world these days or to have a social experience together. And so just trying to think about the ways that we can explore a more immersive, a more touching experience in a physical space, I think is exciting. Yeah. When I first started doing like design for theater, I, I'm designing um, video projections, which at the time, you know, this was 10 years ago, there were people that have been doing it for years, but like people still looked at it as being like a weird thing to do in theater or that it was ruining theater because, <laughs> you know, it was like we're taking away from something that's there. And I think what it's really about is like trying to find the ways that it amplifies the physical experience. And interesting AR to me feels like one of these things that is is primed to like just really build up our and amplify our experience of the physical things yeah. that are around us. That's a great point. It is I think at best, and Brad said this before we started, uh, before we got on the call, but. VR can sometimes be a boondoggle. You know, AR can be something you throw on as a gimmick, but it seems like the way you're approaching this really is how do we extend uh, the artist vision? How do we, you know, make it a more immersive experience for the audience? How we how do we draw them in more? Um, I'm curious. So your day job, you're a, a teacher at MIT, no small feat, and then you're also doing independent uh, design work for major operas like this around the world. What what like what drives you? What what's your why for? Like what, what gets you excited to get up out of bed and, and do all of this stuff? That's a good question. I mean, I, some days I wish I knew that answer. <laughs> um, you know, I think this is crazy to say, I, I don't know that I've really thought about this that much, but you know, I think years ago I had like an experience with, with a theater production that just, it felt like it opened my eyes to a whole new way of seeing the world. Um, and I think a lot of good art does that where you go and you see a piece of film or a painting or a video art or an installation piece that just changes, like fundamentally changes who you are and makes you look at the world in a different way. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there's something about this kind of work that gets me, gets me really excited to see, to see people experiencing the world in a different way. Like they're finding a new a new way to view the world. And I do think that there's this huge crossover between that and teaching where mm -hmm. I'm literally sitting with young students and opening their eyes to things they've never seen and they get so excited about this kind of work mm -hmm. or they get excited about something in the world in a way that they have never done before. Mm. And so I do I do think I feel that drive in my my personal art artistic work. Um, mm -hmm. I think I've always felt that way about just tech the use of technology and 
the physical world, like that there are these big ways that it can open up the way we experience something. Um, that, that, yeah, it just gets me really excited to do it. So I keep, I keep driving forward on it. There, mm. there, there are occasionally days where I'm like, why am I doing this? It's like the hours are long. <laughs> the pay is not great. The, the pain is huge, but, um, I do think, you know, you see that one person who's excited by it and you're like, oh, great. Yeah. I, maybe I gave them that experience that I had so long ago from some other mm. artist. Yeah, that's well said. That's My, cool. yeah. As from coming from a family of teachers, I can resonate. And also even, I mean, our kind of why here at Arbor is all about finding meaningful uses of this technology beyond just yeah. pure distraction um, and, and, and that this can be a transformative new technology. So I really yeah. resonate. As we wrap... What? Well, go ahead. Yeah. No, I want to... Well, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you a little bit just about like why Ooh. you guys do this kind of work because... It does seem like I was saying earlier, like what you've made, the way you've set this up for uh, for me to use, like it it took out a whole troublesome thing that I didn't need to worry about and just made everything so much easier. And like, so what drives you guys to make this kind of, you know, why why Arbor XR? Why have you guys gone in this direction? I just I'm you're the first person to ever ask us a question. So uh, thank you for that, Joshua. Uh, it is a great question. Like, look at us. We all look tired, right? Like, why are we doing this? I think for us, <laughs> when I put on a headset six or seven years ago, not to be overly dramatic, but it, for me, it was like, wow, this technology is going to change the world. How can we be a part of it? Like, what's what role could we play in helping shape it for good? Very idealistic. And I think over the years, we found that, goodness, like the the friction on 16 headsets, that's keeping so many people back from experiencing this new technology. And so for us, we feel like the role we get to play in removing that technology at 10 headsets or a thousand or 10,000 headsets really is helping push this entire thing forward, or at least removing barriers, you know, to allow it to run its course more naturally. And, and as Will mentioned earlier, just for us, so to play, get to play that role, but also seeing that this technology should really shape people's lives for the good, make them better, give them back their time. Um, and not be another uh, opportunity to get distracted. So, yeah, I mean, I think we probably see it as kind of laying the trenches, kind of some of the groundwork, but it just feels really important. Um, and it, I mean, getting to talk to you and others like you, and we get to hear the use cases, that for us, I mean, a lot of the use cases we hear are in medical or in training, um, but this is this is really cool. One thing you didn't say, which I think is, is really, really cool, we'll, we'll touched on it with, with this opera specifically with uh, uh, Wagner, is from my experience in entertainment especially it seems that vr is just sometimes this add-on and it's kind of like you know you're, you're forcing it but i think what's so cool about this specific um experience is that when wagner initially composed or wrote this opera he had a vision well beyond what he could really execute at that time and so for you all to come in and say well let's take the full vision let's bring let's bring more life to the original vision to me, that is just a perfect marriage of technology and art. I mean, it's perfect. Like, and I've, I've heard so many, you can imagine, you probably have two ideas for VR over the years. And my question is always like, how is that even helpful, right? Like it's worse. You're making the experience worse with VR. But this one just feels like it's a 10 out of 10 on kind of, of marrying the two. Yeah, no, it is like in the opera, you know, he, he uses these these stage directions about like, the whole world should shift or like, you know, <laughs> we're surrounded by this green, lush, grassy thing or this magic 
garden surrounds us in a total way. And you're just like, how, you know, we're never allowed to expand the world yeah, out beyond right. the proscenium, like the little opening of the theater. It's so rare that you get to bring it all the way out there. And with this, it just felt like finally, oh, we can do this justice and like surround the audience with all of this yeah. and put it right in their face the way that it feels like he would be excited about that idea. I love it. Well, I want to, as we wrap, one of the questions I like to ask, maybe to bring us back down to the practicals. You've had quite a bit of experience now over the years with implementing XR in real world scenarios. What are some of the lessons learned? If you were going to pass on to somebody who's wanting to start a pilot project for the first time, or maybe they're going to a bit more scale, what are some of the things that you feel like you wish you had known when you started? I mean, I think one of the big things that we've we've run into on this project really specifically has been like the capabilities of the headsets. So right now we're kind of limited in like what content we can put in there because the headset can only process so many polygons in a, in a stretch. And so it, having people who understand that and, and know how to work in that framework is really, really helpful. Um, knowing your limitations, um, but also feeling like you can experiment is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the biggest, most practical thing is just like sometimes how to get, how to build the APK that needs to go onto the headset so that you can actually see it in AR. And, and that has been a, like, it just takes testing and it takes so much like doing it and trying it. And like I, like I was saying earlier, like ArborXR actually took a huge chunk of that out. Like before mm-hmm. we were using you guys. I would lose hours a week to like having to build the APK and like open ADB and get in command line and try and send <laughs> this thing over to the headset. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I'm sure there are smarter ways to do it, but like I'm, I don't necessarily come from like a gaming or a, a computer programming background or a CS background. I came from theater design. So I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how to, make a design and then like trying to bend the technology to work. And so it just takes so much time to figure out how to do that. And Arbor took all of that away, which was amazing. I didn't have to, I can deploy rapidly to everything really quickly. So that just was a total game changer. So I will say like finding that, finding that tool, finding a way to, to not focus on the, on the hardware and the, um, just the transferring of files and the monitoring of hardware took a huge amount of work out for us and really, really helped things move forward a much, much quicker, which has been great. That's great advice. And uh, we didn't ask for all these plugs that you gave us, but we do appreciate it. And and we are really pumped about what you're doing. This, this has been fun, Joshua. I really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, if people want to kind of follow you or follow what's going on with the opera and where this may go, what's the best place, where's the best place for them to find you? Oh, that's great. Um, I do have a website. Uh, so my website is joshuahiggison.net and that has, it usually has, you know, um, samples of some work and it has things that we're cool. doing. Um, and then I have a social media. Some incredible, on, incredible uh, photos. You guys got to check it out. Some amazing, some of the <laughs> the stuff he's put together. Yeah. It's, it it's been a really exciting, it's been, been a really exciting ride to, to do these kind of projects. And it's fun to always be trying new things. That's really what all this is about. And you, awesome. I know you didn't you want to brag on yourself, media? but you, you've done work with everybody from Ted to MoMA to 
um, going back, you know, even video projection and projection and now XR. So it's fun to see, um, the, the visuals. Part of me makes, it makes me wish I went to more live events. I went to more opera events, I went to more. So we're going to have to, I'm going to definitely be following if there's anything in our area. Um, Brad and I would probably love to fly to Germany to see it, but we didn't get tickets 10 years ago. So I don't know. If we'll be able to yeah, I, know. I was like, dang it. <laughs> we have to, we have, we'll buy now for the next. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I got married in Germany. So it's a place that I, yeah, we like to go back occasionally. It's a whole other story. Well, there but you go. I, yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking, down. man, I can get over to my wife next time. We'll see you. I'll check out an opera and AR. We'll hit it all together. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, make it happen. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Joshua. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Great. Thank you so much, guys. That was a really, really fun interview. Uh, it's so cool different. to see. I mean, we, we see so many like just incredible, you know, stats on, on uh, improved learning and, and training outcomes. Uh, sometimes you forget about the impact that this technology can have in the arts and entertainment. And I mean, what Joshua is doing is truly historic. It really is. I was excited. I was also thinking the whole time, just imagining being in that theater and the magic castle starts coming crashing down and 20 out of these 300 audience members get up and start <laughs> trying to run across the aisle to get away from it. And I know I've shared this story before, but the first time I put my dad into VR, it was in this zombie training simulator game. And at one point the zombies rush you and no joke, as soon as they start rushing him, he just turned and ran <laughs> full tilt into my wall. And I thought he was, I thought he was, he was going to be a goner, but he was fine. But I'm, I'm, I think what a, yeah, what a cool experience and being able to extend, um, this classic opera that goes, has so much history. And now you're adding this other yeah. layer of meaning and significance to it. I think it's a great use case for XR. Yeah. I think it's gonna be fun to see the reviews after this because yeah, Can we it's, fly it is there and just try audience. to crash it. I know. I'd love to, that'd be fun. It, it just, sure. this, I, it's, I mean, they're, they're pioneering something that hopefully spreads to other operas, but I'm sure he'll get a little bit of pushback from the purists and also goodness, the risk of 300 headsets and that whole, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh, well, thanks as always for joining us. We appreciate you so much and, uh, you can catch us anywhere that you consume podcasts and we look forward to seeing you next time.